Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson, and you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris will be joining us a little bit later in the show today, uh, but I wanted to jump in here and bring you our WC Fab from Facebook segment. This was a really cool message, and I thought uh, we, I would talk a little bit about it. So from Harry Maxwell, it says, Hi there. Firstly, I've been listening to the podcast that you guys have been doing. Great tips and info on there. Hope it keeps coming. Now, I'm over in Australia and have fitted an LBZ and Allison to a Nissan Patrol and looking to take a little looking to take it a little further with an S475 overstock turbo, chasing around 600 horsepower. It's mainly a daily driver tow rig. Don't race it or sled pull or anything. Wanting to keep the stock bottom end, head studs, built trans, and Gorindar converter. Can you tell me, am I better off with a 132 or 110 AR turbine housing for this? That's in reference to the S475. What size injectors would you recommend, and can I stick with a stock CP3 or best off going with a stroker pump? Don't want twin pumps, as I have a modified AC compressor going in that spot as an air compressor. Hoping you can help with a little on the tuning side. Would love to just buy a whole kit, but unfortunately, it's all got to be custom fabbed in this application. Thanks in advance. First of all, uh, we love hearing from any any of our listeners, any of, of our future customers here at Duramax Tuner. Harry, thank you very, very much for listening to the show and for sending in a message. We love seeing this stuff. Hey, guys, if you have a question, message it to Diesel Performance Podcast uh, on Facebook, or even better yet, jump on to the Diesel Performance Podcast Q&A Facebook group where you can ask any question. All of our listeners, previous guests, um, or Chris or myself will actually come on and try to answer your questions to the best of our ability. Now, Harry, in your situation, I've already written back a private message to get into this a little bit. Really, what it sounds like you're going to want is the tightest possible uh, AR. So that's going to give us the quickest spooling S475 we can. Uh, you're not going after a lot of top-end power, so any spool up we gain, you're not really going to be losing anything. Uh, stock injectors, stock CP3, possible to make 600 horse. You're kind of on the bleeding edge of them. I have had guys squeeze out a little bit extra, 620, 630, things like that. You're probably best off going with a set of Exergy Sportsman injectors uh, matched with maybe a Sportsman pump or a 10 mil pump, uh, just depending on how healthy your CP3 is. If it was me, I would probably throw a set of injectors in it, run it on the stock pump, see if I can hit a dyno, find out where I'm at, and then decide on how much further do I want to go from there because the the pump's a little bit more expensive. Uh, So really, really cool truck. We're going to post some pictures on our Facebook page, so jump on over and check that out. Uh, One of the other super cool things that's been going on, you guys can check this out on Facebook as well, is the Duramax Tuner Diesel Insights. Uh, This is a video segment where Nick and and some of the team get together and talk about just general diesel knowledge. So they're not really plugging any products. They're not going over specific things that we do here at Duramax Tuner. They're really just talking as much as they can about things that diesel owners want to know. Um, so for example, this week, I think just publishing today is the Allison 1000 review, uh, Nick and Joey Elson, one of the sales reps over here, go over some of this kind of complicated, mysterious thing that is the automatic transmission called Allison. Uh, and they break down, Hey man, here's some of the failure points. Here's some of the the pros. Here's some of the cons. These are some of the things to look out for. These are 
just kind of the basic introduction of what you need to know about an Allison. Now, there's definitely more detailed information out there. Honestly, you could probably just spend a whole year learning just about the Allison and still not know everything. Um, so there's a lot to this, and I think it's a great introductory video. It's about 20 minutes long. You can find that on Facebook or over at the Duramax Tuner YouTube channel. Just search Diesel Insights, and it'll come right up. All right, uh, on to Exergy Diesel stories. So these are stories that we we kind of put together a conglomerate of customer stories and things that we hear from people, uh, things that we kind of pull together and put together as true of a fake story as we can. I have an 06 Cummins, and I love to sled pull. I got a Firepunk Trans, Exergy 100% injectors, 14 mil street pump, fire ringed heads, a nasty Borg Warner S478 turbo, along with all the safety and supporting mods. I pull with a local club and at brush hooks. I usually try to make about 10 hooks a year. This year, I've been having problems. It all started when I snapped a drive shaft. I fixed it, got it back out on the track two days later, only went from going consistently over 300 foot in every pull, under 250 for three pulls in a row. I'm like, what the fuck, man? After a long night of checking over everything on the truck, finally, finally found we had a boost leak. There's a hole in the intercooler. It was about the size of a dime. That's that's what was killing us. Um, I slapped a new upgraded intercooler in it. I got back out in the dirt the very next night, uh, hooked to a sled, same class. I was able to keep up with the class. I, I pulled in third place, um, or I pulled down a third place win, but I noticed my coolant was getting hot like really hot like dangerously hot at this point i don't even know what to do i don't know if i want to diagnose this thing i definitely don't feel like wrenching on it anymore i used to love sled pulling i i used to i it used to be my favorite thing on earth was to go hook to the sled granted that was about four years ago when i was still just sled pulling my daily driver and it was just the work stock class Ever since I stepped up to this bigger class, this is my third season now, it just seems like I burn piles of money every time I pull. What do I do? All right, so first of all, I love talking to sled pullers because they're generally under the mentality of gotta win. It's this fiercely competitive drive that keeps you out sled pulling because God knows it ain't the prize money. Um, it's not the notoriety. You're not going to be famous sled puller. That's not a thing. Uh, but what you can do is you can go out and compete with trucks that, that are very near your level of competition. And that's something you have to decide is understanding that level of competition also comes with a cost. When you're in a work stock class and you're pulling that for four or five years and you're really happy, that that's good, man. S stay there and enjoy it. If you do want to bump up to the next class, take into consideration everything that goes with that because as we take a truck from 600 horsepower beating the hell out of it to 700 horsepower 800 horsepower 900 horsepower and beating the hell out of it regardless of what we build in the engine we start finding other problems in the truck uh, a drive shaft isn't something most work stock guys at six 650 horse are really going to worry about the, uh, unless you're in a like an extended cab long bed kind of weird drive shaft scenario. It's just not very common to have that problem. Uh, but as we go up in horsepower, even if you've built the engine to go up to eight, nine, 
thousand horsepower or whatever, but we start finding driveline components. We start finding fittings. We start finding uh, suspension components. We start finding all of the other weaknesses of the truck as we increase that power level. So back when you were a work stock puller, you know, rocking a, a stock turbo or a drop-in turbo, yeah, man, you, you were able to just lay on that truck. You really never had to worry about it. You probably drove it there, pulled with it, and drove it home. And it was great. It was a blast. Um, but but once you start pushing those power levels, once you start increasing all of the abuse that you're giving to that truck, you're pulling a heavier sled, it just gets tougher and tougher. And that's that's the hard spot that I think a lot of guys have. And what we don't want to see is people get scared out of sled pulling. Once you got the truck up to a single S478, it's probably not much of a daily driver anymore. So now we got to decide how pot committed am I? How how much more could it take? And what have I done? You know, diagnostics on a story like this. Hey, there's a lot of places that we would start to look coolant you know we start with the simple things and we start to work our way up to the expensive shit right that's just that's how all diagnostics work we can find the problem let me repeat that we can find the problem what we can't find is motivation you have to have it you have to want to go out there and be competitive and you have to love the truck you have to love the sport you have to love doing it um if that's you great man if you you are in a financial situation to to keep keep with more money and, and keep funding this, do it. It's a blast. It's so much fun. Uh, but if you're in a situation that like, hey, you know, I, I don't have a, a bottomless pit of, of resources, um, you know, maybe consider swapping back to a, a more reasonable daily driver turbo and getting back into a to a work stock class or a 2.6 class, you, you know, something that that's or two five, I mean, uh, something that's more manageable, something that that's also going to be a lot of fun at the street, something that you also you, you know could daily drive and and still use again on a regular basis, and it's not just a dedicated one purpose toy. Um, so those those are kind of the options, and and what I I think the general point here is know what you're getting yourself into. What whether we're talking about a sled pull class, a drag race index class, um, or or just your next mod know what you want out of it and hey you know what in today's special segment we're going to talk a lot about that let's kick it over to chris emke nick pregnitz and myself talking more about turbo selection all right guys and now it's time for your favorite portion of the show calibrated power presents our special guest this week's special guest is from calibrated power nick pregnitz how the hell are you hi paul happy to be here glad to have you uh we got nick in-house yeah myself chris and we are talking about turbos. Um, Nick, we've had you on the show a lot, I think, to talk about tuning, to talk about performance builds, and, and all sorts of other different topics. Um, but one of the things that's been really big in-house lately has been the Stealth Turbo program. Sure. And I think that's given kind of you and some of the guys some some really interesting insight that I was hoping we could start to share with our, our listeners. I am happy to share whatever insight our listeners would love to hear. Uh, the turbo program has been humming, man. There's been a lot going on back there. I mean, we have been testing a lot of turbos, selling a lot of turbos, dealing with customers with a wide variety of situations and vehicle usages. And, I mean, we are learning a lot still, and it's awesome. 
Yeah, and, and and it's always funny because you've been doing this for some time. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Duramax Tuner's been around, I think, eleven plus years now. Um, you know, you've obviously been in the aftermarket world much longer than that, uh, and and there is just. Every time we go down a new product line or a new version of a turbo or something, I feel like there's always these huge conversations we have about things that we never knew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we start with what seems like a good idea. We put it on a truck. It does what we expect. We put it on 10 more trucks. It behaves similarly. And then we go into production. And then, you know, we see all sorts of wheel and tire combos. We see all sorts of altitudes. We see, you know, people driving their trucks differently than we'd expect. We see mechanical issues that we didn't anticipate people having on their trucks at the time <laughs> they installed our turbocharger and then what a turbo does to compound those or, um, you know, how those things play together. So there's just, you know, you go into a project and you think, I'm prepared. This is, this is perfect, right? I know exactly how this is going to behave. And then, uh, you know, the more that you sell, as it goes from dozens to hundreds to thousands, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> the scope widens dramatically, and it, things get interesting. And they continue to get interesting, and that's what I love about this business. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the best ways we could really go through this, instead of just diving into really hardcore technical data, talking about it where people can't kind of see what we're talking about and there's no examples, is I thought we could give some real-world examples of, of customers and vehicles, and then we can talk about some of the pros and cons and different options that that, that imaginary customer would have. Sure. Chris, you want to yeah. describe our first one? So the, the first category here, uh, towing heavy, uh, wants better mileage, uh, puts a lot of miles on the truck a year, you know, so someone who's using the truck on a day-to-day. -day. So um, what are his best options, Nick? Of course, I'm going to favor the stealth program, of right? So I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a recommendation out of my category, and then I'll talk to you about right. stuff that well, might fall outside of CPS, I'll, right? I'll paint a picture real quick. Sure. Okay. Um, it's a 2006 LBZ Duramax, 150,000 miles. Um, you know, I put 30,000 miles a year on the truck, recreational use, tow trailers, go on camping trips with the family, that kind of thing. Yeah. Stock trans. Tune DFI Live. Okay. Um, I just want to, you know, maybe help EGTs a little bit. I don't want to sacrifice spool up. What do you got? Yeah. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm a big fan of the Stealth 64 in that scenario. Um, works really slick to just control EGTs at that power level, slightly overstock, right? So, I mean, we advertise the Stealth 64 supporting 600 horsepower possible. Is it a 600 horsepower towing turbo? Hell no, it's right. not, right? Um, the stock turbo is barely a 360 horsepower uh, <laughs> towing turbo. So when you put the truck in that loaded situation, you really have to consider... What is the power that the truck is running at, you know, continuous, loaded? How is the heat rejection in that system working? And I'm also uh, considering altitude and considering the driver. So I want to talk to the driver and make sure that they understand, like, this isn't a put it on the race tune and tow it with your foot on the floor kind of situation. This is, you know, running the tow tune, running the light tow tune, maybe step it up to the sport economy. So where you were previously running the stock turbocharger and you were having trouble controlling EGTs, they were cre creeping past 1,300, 1,400 degrees. Now you step up to the Stealth 64 and you're going to be able to push the truck a little bit harder, right? Maybe 10, 15, 20% harder at the most if you're on uh, at a good altitude. Of course, as you go up in altitude, as the factory turbo runs out of air, same happens to the Stealth 64, same happens to any artificial lung. So those are the things that I would okay. discuss with that customer. So uh, we'll f we'll s 
I'm shopping, right? We're shopping around. Sure. There's other turbos. You know, why not like a PowerMax Stage One or something like that? And you know, I'm excited to hear these responses just because this is where a lot of the development, you know, for yeah. upgraded parts yeah. came in. So, what are some of the differences? What would I expect drivability wise or hard parts in the turbocharger? Well, yeah, I mean, good question because a lot of customers are they're going to look at five or six turbos or yeah. three turbos or whatever, right? So you got the PowerMax Stage One, PowerMax Stage Two, uh, the GT3794, GT4094 VA, and those are cheap options. They're built by Garrett. The quality's there. They're strong turbochargers. They make good power. I mean, on a GT4094 VA, you can make over 600 horsepower. It's a 68-millimeter turbo. Um, bolts in place, drop-in deal, right? So what's wrong with that turbocharger? The frustrating part about that turbocharger, in my opinion, tuning, and why we decided to build our own turbo instead of selling that turbo was the spool-up. So the way that, that uh, Garrett designs the... Uh, turbine and fits the veins with the unison ring and their compressor wheel choice i feel like is a little too a little too much for this customer okay if you get on top of that turbocharger and you're you know 22 2300 rpm and you're humming along sure that thing's going to keep cool i mean and uh, there's guys out there who do it right they keep the truck in tow haul or they manually shift the truck and you just keep it up on the rev range and keep it keep it running but with the stealth 64 what you're going to have is that off idle grunt so as you go to step into the truck instead of having kind of like a ball and blowing blowing smoke or whatever waiting for the truck to come up or having to manually tap shift it to keep it alive with the 4094 va on it all of a sudden you get the stock drivability back off the line okay and that's why i like the stealth 64 a couple other little things <clears throat> you know the little port work on the exhaust side we've we've done on these sure uh the upgraded thrust bearing is another one that on the duramax line i mean these are all little things that as a as a consumer shopping around, you might not see those bullet points firsthand. Sure. But all these little things equal out to a better performing turbocharger. Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time on the turbo that in the machines that most customers, you know, let's face it, they're not necessarily going to notice, mm -hmm. and maybe they're not going to use the turbocharger in a way that's going to benefit them in those spots. But when you buy our stuff, you want to know that we looked at every element of the turbocharger and maximized it, and that's what we've done with the Stealth 64 lineup. Like you said, we port matched the in, the, uh, the exhaust ports, so where the up pipes fit to the turbocharger or port matched the gasket. Uh, we hog out the backside. Of course, upsize the turbine, upsize the compressor wheel, 360 thrust bearings. Yeah. Well, so that's a really solid way to look at what are your best options, what are your cheapest options, uh, because there definitely are a lot of things to look through as you're shopping for a turbo. What's the thing you would tell people, don't do this? What's the mistake we see customers making? Yeah. Uh, there's really two big two big mistakes that I see customers make. And the, the two biggest mistakes I see people make are buying kits that they don't un kits where they don't understand the risks. So kits with lots of flanges, lots of um, custom fab stuff, and Worley's going to be pissed at me for talking like this, right? But <laughs> And he makes a good kit, so take this for what it's worth. But anytime there's custom-made pieces, anytime there's sheet metal work, anytime there's extra flanges, there's an opportunity for leaks. Yeah. And installation error, that is oil <clears throat> leaks, exhaust leaks, boost leaks, and all those things are so hard on the equipment. You just cannot have those, especially in your, when you're in this customer situation because there's so much heat and continuous abuse on that turbocharger on the engine that any issue you have is going to be exploited by that system. Yeah, it's it's the funny thing about boost, right? It's the extra piece that makes like all of this massive power in a diesel, and yeah. if there's 
anything wrong with the system, it also makes all of this massive problem so much worse. It just compounds it's, anything you throw at it's it. It's destructive. It's extremely hard on parts. Um, and it, it's, I, would, I would just call it corrosive if it's not contained. Right? Like you need to con- consider your charge air system might as well have acid in it. That's how, that's how you need to think of it. Hot corrosive acid. Keep the fucking thing sealed up, okay? Um, the other mistake I see people make is, is oversizing. And it's, it's so easy to do um, as you're shopping. You know, the, the human brain, especially the diesel truck owner human brain, has a tendency to want more, bigger, more, bigger. And if a 66 is good or 64 is good, why wouldn't I do a 68? Why wouldn't I do a 72? Shit, I might as well put an S400 on it, yeah. right? Drive drive what you're going to buy, if at all possible, before you buy it. That's the best advice I can give you. I That's so true, because one, we run into so many guys who say a toe's great, and you're like, well, well what is it? And they're like, well, it's a single S475 on stock fuel. Yeah. It's, it's a gooseneck trailer. It's entertaining just to like, watch them tow, yeah. Oh, I, oh. Think, I think one of the things, too, to kind of dive into is, you know, guys call in, you know, and we're educating people with turbochargers and they'll talk about, you know, well, this 63 versus this 63 or this 66 versus this 66. And then they talk about spool up. Well, my buddy's truck this or my buddy's truck that. Depending on the turbochargers that you're looking at, drivability and spool up isn't dictated about the compressor wheel size. That all happens on the exhaust side, turbine and exhaust housing. And people have to identify that. And in the aftermarket, that's not really ever, I mean, it's discussed, but it's not pushed as this is what's going to get the truck to come up in the boost at a good RPM or a respectable. RPM. Only, this is where the drivability comes from. Only Cummins guys know those specs. <laughs> I've never met a Duramax actual owner who could like tell you the specs of their turbine or turbine housing. They're all just like, yeah, it's a 68. I think it's more it's of like standard. regurgitating information, right. nor do they know what it actually means or how to identify what's what. But like, you know, Nick, touch on this. I mean, that that is where the drivability comes from. That's where the drivability comes from. I mean, that that's you notice how small the factory sizes its exhaust housings. You know how how appropriately they size their wheels for the power they want to make. It is really smart to size your compressor wheel and your turbine wheel for the power you want to make. You want to be at max RPM of the turbocharger. And when I say max RPM, I mean maximum safe RPM at the power level you want to make. Um, if, you, if you're going to make more than that, then size the turbo bigger. If you're not, that extra size is just extra inertia that you have to spool up. You have to get going every time that you get the truck up in the power band. So how does that play into our next example, which is a guy who's a daily driver... <laughs> It's it's a newer truck. It's a 2012. He wants the thing to be a hot rod. Mm-hmm. So he he's on the younger end of the spectrum of age, um, but he still tows a nice boat once a month, a little bass boat once a month uh, down sure. the street. Uh, so he needs something that hey, it can tow once in a while. But most of the time, he just wants to go out and smoke Mustangs off the light. Hell yeah, <laughs> I I like I. I have a tendency to lean to the 67, and I, I identified the bias in the previous question. I didn't say I was immune to it. All right? <laughs> I like big stuff, too. Um, I, I like to put a 67 on a truck whenever I can, and I, I especially like to do it in LMLs because LMLs like to have lean air-fuel ratios, especially emissions-equipped trucks, and I'm, I'm just habituated to wanting more air. So the more air I can get in that system, and the, the Stealth 67 G2 is such a quick spooling turbocharger by design, and it goes more into the mechanics of the design of the unison ring and the, the vein position and the vein, uh, you know, architecture of the vein itself, than the turbine wheel and the, and the AR. This is just a lot that goes into variable geometry turbocharger sizing. But I would say if you're towing light and you're not going to be running the truck at 25 30 pounds of boost at 16 1800 rpm like you would with a camper then a stealth 67 is a great choice and they do spool up well uh, the biggest pitfall that i see guys get into with a with a 67 is 
going to a 67 and towing really heavy and lugging the truck and especially at altitude where you can get yourself into a surge situation and that's really the most destructive thing you can do to the turbocharger is put it into surge sure and you guys who've experienced surge know what it is because you can hear it it's it's Choo, 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 right? It's that noise that your turbos, uh, you know, you can hear the air stalling on the compressor. And it doesn't sound good, and it's, it's you know, it feels about as good as it sounds yeah. for the turbocharger. It is rough in a truck. Like, yeah. It is. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Yeah. Um, but it is a hot rod motherfucker, man. Like, that thing gets down, <laughs> it, it, you know, six, 685, 700 horsepower just with a 10 mil pump on stock injectors on an LML the 67 g2 is bad and i mean of course you go from there i mean we've seen 800 horsepower trucks come through on the dyno with that turbocharger not saying it's going to live forever at that turbo speed but sure sure, certainly run the season (laughs) in front of a sled what if i wanted to go cheap what if i was trying to get bottom of the barrel uh and i'm that same guy yeah what what am i looking at out there yeah i mean i think you can you can do an s300 kit on something like that um assuming you're deleted right yeah that's always that caveat um the there's really no other option for emissions equipped other than the Stell 67 or or a twin kit, and that is certainly not cheaper. Than right. That, right? <laughs> right. Um, I think my, that S300 might even be a tough call. That's more. I mean, that's going to be more money. I mean, the only other option that you potentially would have, you know, this is old school. This is 2015 stuff. Would be to swap an older style variable vane turbo on yeah, one of those trucks, sure. and it didn't work all that well, right? There's yeah, I mean, you could put a four-inch custom fab hat on. on there and put an LLY downpipe and, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. jerry-rig your coolant lines and intake and all that stuff. But, I mean, it's an LML. Like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? You're really going to do that? Like, <laughs> do that to your LD7. <laughs> right, so, um, yeah, no. I, 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 like the, I, mean, I like the S300 or S400, uh, the way they drive in those in those scenarios especially like the 464 467 that sxe line seems to be pretty the sxe line's pretty nice i I would caution guys if you're not going over 700 horsepower like don't do not put a 472 on the truck it's unnecessary (laughs) and it's just the 467 drives so much better than the 72 and the 75 just avoid the temptation to put a 75 on your truck unless you really need it it's that is that that's still that that like And I think this will be the theme all the way throughout. Like, what don't you do? I think no matter what our scenarios are, what don't you do is oversize your charger. As much as more air is better, you have to know how to get that air and when you're going to get that air. Yeah. Um, And I think appropriately setting it up is going to be that. that I mean, be realistic. If if you're going to build a 900 horsepower truck, then buy a big turbocharger. Yeah. If if you're really not going to do that, then don't do it. You know, you don't want to wait two years driving a 475 <laughs> before you can afford a pump and injectors. Like, it's just not fun. Well, I think even if you want to go to 900, know how you're going to use the truck, yeah. right? If you're going to use the truck for a competition-only truck and you're going to tow it places, well, then this sure, shit doesn't matter, yeah. right? Like, like you're life, just man. looking for big power. Yeah, but if you're going to be daily driving the truck and using the truck and you want 900 horse, you're probably not going to be looking at a I single mean, S400. Nothing beats twins in that situation. Right. Exactly. It's yeah. just... Yeah, I mean, I, and I love twin turbochargers, and I especially love twin turbos with the big 67 in the valley. Like, that is, oh, that's money right there. <laughs> they do get down. Uh, how about for our next guy? So our next guy doesn't have the option of twins either. He's a weekend warrior. He's in an 06 Cummins. He sled pulls. He drag races. He's got another vehicle that he dailies. It's not a competition-only truck. It's not, you know, full cage or, or full sure. anything. Sure. Uh, but it, it's it's here to have fun you know it's a weekend warrior yeah yeah i mean that guy has had a a variety of turbochargers available to him over the years there's been s300s there's been s400s there's uh second gen swaps Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you read the forums, like, <laughs> it's the flavor of the month, man. Yeah. Like, what's the best turbo of the month? There right? is, that's a very saturated. Very you know. saturated market. Um, <clears throat> I I love the Stell 64 and the Cummins just because, for whatever reason, the Cummins trucks make so much more power, <laughs> so much more easily, yeah. and require no, no uh, long block work except for maybe head studs. But, I mean, it, what, Chris, you're... you're 720 horse on a 60 yeah, and a 64 seven, 725 and 1500 foot pounds yeah. is what we made yeah. on mine and we've backed 700 horse up on multiple trucks since with the proper supporting mods i mean yeah stock injectors truck jim rennett when he had his you know stock injector pump truck with the stealth made six over 600 like 620 i mean Jim's you gotta truck figure out at 80 horsepower with just just, just a turbo, turbo. yep <laughs> <laughs> you gotta figure this guy's probably pulling like uh, a stock appearing or maybe two five you know and those are the most fun lines. classes right like yeah. the stock appearing class those are the fastest growing classes in the country like that's where the fun's at yeah so i mean if you can get in those classes that's awesome and i, and I would say that this guy could probably even do a 67 doesn't sound like he's using the truck for towing seriously outside of the competition and the 64 and 67 stealth they drive so much so similarly yeah, like, sales guys hate me because I'm like, well, they, they don't really spool up that much differently. But that's different than what you told us. Like, <laughs> but go drive the truck. They drive, you know, the '67 drives so nice. Um, I think you could get away with that. Sure. I mean, what about the cheapest option? I mean, again, you know, it's it's a market where there's a lot yeah. of different options out yeah. there. You have the old school, you know, mid late two thousands guys were bolting on like HX forty style turbochargers could, and like I mean, there sky's the limit with well, the amount of turbos Chris. What would there. you do straight up cheapest option? Cheapest option. Cheapest option. Uh, honestly, knowing like back in the day, I would have yeah, yeah. I would have gone on. Well, here because he's sled pulling, dude. He. Do, yeah. I mean, I mean this this scenario. This guy doesn't daily drive. He's got another daily he, driver vehicle. So like, what's nasty? Back in the day, I went on Craigslist and I bought like a sixty two millimeter Schweitzer that came off of a Caterpillar. Okay, like that. That was back in the day stuff. Six hundred bucks. I feel like you could go on Facebook and get an S three sixty six for peanuts if you yeah. want it. You know what I mean? But knowing what I know now and looking at what you know these turbochargers go for, it is really hard. Like it cut the Stealth brand out of the equation with you know where we work and what we're talking. But the Stealth sixty four packs one of the nastiest punches, bang for your buck wise. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, you buy a Stealth. Let's say you buy an S three hundred, right? You, so now you got to buy a downpipe. You're you're buying a downpipe. Oil lines uh, intake is going to be different the, depending on. There are some in guys that are listening there are some s300s out there like uh smetting diesel for an example where mm-hmm. they machine the housings yeah so they are more of a true bolt-on but you're going to pay for that you're machine pay work. for that yeah you know so that that 700 dollars box that's 300 that you can buy you're going to need another three four hundred dollars in parts you're gonna have to have an intercooler modified you know, yeah. intercooler pipe and whatnot it gets up there in cost they have a truck that doesn't come to life until 18 19 i can tell you man it doesn't drive anywhere near as nice as <laughs> no there's and that's one of those things you know talking to guys and getting feedback from customers and things like that i mean a charger that's going to spool very similar to stock have a real nasty mid-range very tameable yet you want to get down like it's aggressive yeah <laughs> i mean it's all in one it packs a nasty punch i like so. it so yeah no i uh, we'll go to the next one so uh next guy um I don't know which one I want to go with this. So it's an O2 LB7 Duramax. It's a dually bubble nose. Owned it since new. Owned it since new. It's only has 70,000 miles, right? Like this thing's just creme of the creme. Um, toes daily, uh, off-road, travel for work. Uh, company pays for the fuel, right? This is a stock motor. It's studded. It's got, you know, fresh injectors under GM yeah. warranty, that kind of thing. Um 
Built trans, too. So it's built trans truck. What do you think? Towing daily and towing hard. It's if if the money's there, I like to recommend the twin kit. Okay. It's a nice fit for those guys, and it you know it, you never have to look at your exhaust temps, your oil temps, and your coolant temps. On the other hand, Different you're going to get up there a little <laughs> bit. I mean, I like that for this guy especially because you'd imagine off-road work. Like you're thinking somebody in construction, pipeline work, you, you know, comad, yeah. something like that, where they're they're out in the field. That it's means they're running towing heavy, towing heavy, and they're running really slow because they're not running through through the dirt road at the pipeline at 70 miles an hour where they can get some speed going and get some airflow. Sure. I mean, they're they're lugging it. They're doing oh. 10 miles an hour, 5 miles an hour, working this thing up the hill through the dirt. I'm going to put a wrench in this, right? So yeah. the truck has seen a lot of, you know, dirt and things like that. And the factory turbocharger is on its way out. So you're reckoning a compound turbo, recommending one. So I'm going to want to do something and change out the valley. Do I do a factory replacement? Or what would I see as a benefit of maybe upgrading the valley turbo as well? Yeah. So two things. Before we get into that, I like your question. I, I Paul's dirt thing just reminded me of something, right? How many trucks that we've seen that have twin kits that after three or four years they come in and the guys never changed the air filter, <laughs> never cleaned the air filter. Or right? checked for, like, any type of leaks like Pulled or the anything. sock off and it's right. hard. And it's just yeah. one of, one of those happening. things that That's I always <laughs> advocate on these guys. If you're not going to take care of your stuff, put the stock air filter back on it. Like, run the stock air filter. And I know you can't do that on a twin truck, right? That's a, Sure. It's another stealth, stealth deal, but I, I just like that you can run the factory air filter, especially in those nasty environments. Take advantage of the factory's great design, mm-hmm. you know, with the cylindrical stuff, or the S&B stuff is great, too. So, I mean, it, it all works out. Um, for, for a failed factory turbocharger um, in a twin kit, <clears throat> it's all about turbine flow. This guy towing, you know, towing at 450, 500 horsepower, another stock turbocharger would probably be fine. If he had more pump and injectors, I would say a 64 G2 would be money for him. I mean, we have so much more turbine flow in the 64 G2 that as you get up in the higher RPMs or as you push the truck harder, you're not going to have to worry about beating up the stock turbocharger as hard, and you're not going to have to worry about that failure-prone stain or a stock exhaust wastegate, which... Chris, I know you've seen been there, been there, factory there. LB7, the factory wastegate, is not a stainless steel part, and it'll break. Yeah. Okay. And uh, our stealth stuff is all stainless. So for, let's say the guy that is at four or 500 horsepower, yeah. right? Um, you know, I, I want to do a stealth. Are there any benefits? Am I going to see anything from that? You're going to see some lower EGTs under heavy, heavy usage. Yeah. Um, drive up or drivability spool up. I mean, you've driven a 64 G2. They, they spool up yeah. very well. Um, what I would say is just mention it that you're buying the turbocharger for a compound situation so we can tune the wastegate appropriately. Of course. Right? What about needing head studs? What about head studs, Paul? I, well, this is a this yeah. is an LB7 guy, twin kit, working it hard. Yeah. Um, what, what are our concerns? I think this is a common one out there for the LB7 and LLY guys especially. Yeah. I, my biggest concern on a, on a mechanically sound truck is probably oil temperature because you have you have like sequestered the EGT problem in your head because you have twins and all of a sudden like I have a tow beast this thing's unstoppable <laughs> but you're not keeping tra- either you're not keeping track of oil temperature or you haven't uh, you know put an additional oil cooling on the truck just remember that even though your cooling temperature is fine now you have two turbochargers that are being cooled by oil and they're hot right and they're working so that oil you know which usually hangs out near coolant temperature 20 degrees above coolant temperature can now go 280 
300 degrees and your oil once your oil goes up there it's a matter of time before you pop a piston right and everybody wants to blame tuning on piston failures drive pressure yeah drive pressure that's what i always hear <laughs> drive drive pressure tuning whatever the pistons are oil cooled okay so yes timing and egt are are primary here but if those things are kept in check and your coolant temp is kept in check why are you still losing pistons yeah. Well, it's because you can't cool the piston down. That piston cooling comes from oil. So you need to keep your oil temperatures in check. Sorry, tangent, but I think it's important. For no, the guys I, I think that's what we're trying to stuff. talk about here today is is some of those myths that come around this stuff. Because yeah. we've been talking about turbos on the podcast since the podcast started. Mm-hmm. And, and we love doing it, right? Yeah. That, that's what this is here for. That's why we want, want to encourage you guys to get onto the Diesel Performance Podcast Q&A Facebook group. Ask us some great right. questions. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you're you're talking drive pressure, right, which comes up all the time with all the head time. gaskets. That's which always what they want to talk about. If you about. put a drive pressure gauge on your truck while you're towing, if you're getting past one-to-one drive pressures, like – Good fucking luck, okay? <laughs> Usually drive pressures go upside down when you're past 3,500 RPM or, you know, well over 3,000 RPM or you're really, really pushing on the setup. Drive pressure is mostly RPM related past power. So, I mean, if you're making good power at 2,400 RPM and your drive pressures are significantly over boost, you're doing something wrong. Let me walk you through another one I love. Um, because the torque comes on so strong, so low... Your engine can't keep up with it, and that's why you crack pistons. Bend yeah. rods. I'm sorry. Bend rods, not crack yeah, pistons. Yeah. My bad. I mean, sure. Yes. I would say that's more of a tuning issue, so too aggressive of a timing curve, so too much cylinder pressure at too low of an RPM. And then your temptation as a driver with a twin kit is to hang out there in fifth gear or fourth gear Hell yeah. and really beat the shit out of the motor. <laughs> and I've, I've seen that happen. I mean, the tune has to be right if you're going to use it in that range. Just consider you know if you're towing in a range how important it is that your tune is right in that range because you're just, you're there man you're That's operating where it tends to live. Yeah. yeah right all right i like it uh all right i got the last one because i think i've dealt with this guy the most uh a young kid man we're, we're talking oh vp44 truck owner um <laughs> the worst example just dude. just wants like, nothing but a dyno number just calls in he's like 500 and <laughs> i just i want to make all the horsepower he doesn't even know he doesn't even know his setup he just knows he wants all the horsepower and he wants to know what turbo uh keep in mind he's a little bit limited of a budget this month next month it's next looking month better he's on the come up <laughs> <laughs> he's on the come up next month there's a guy in an o2 with his sleeves ripped off motherfucking his <laughs> in phone right now in jorts <laughs> how dare you paul yes you can send those messages to cmp.germaxtuner.com. <laughs> Damn, I'm just going to go buy another second gen just to spite you for saying that. Oh, man. I would love to say I could talk this guy out of an S300, but I know he's just going to buy the cheapest shit he's got laying around, HX40, whatever. Um, I mean, we have an HX35, still 64, that will easily get you that number and drive just as good as a stock turbocharger. But the odds of you listening to my 37-year-old ass tell you what turbocharger you're going to buy are pretty low. They ain't listening to you. <laughs> right. They ain't listening to you. Chris can't even hear you. No. <laughs> I, I blocked the haters. <laughs> so let, 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 let's redo this, okay? It's an 04 truck, okay? It's 04. It's a common rail truck. Sure. He wants the dyno number. That's all. He wants all. the dyno number. He wants the dyno He don't care how it drives. He don't care what it looks like. Dude, put that, uh, put that T6 setup on there, man. T6 single. <laughs> 
<laughs> this is the not dude my got that type of money. <laughs> I don't deal with people who I, don't care about how their shit drives. I, I actually knew Nick wasn't going to read the outline. I threw the one curveball at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I love reading these guys running T6 singles and shit. It cracks me up. Dude, they run. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they do. Dude, listen, man, it's a little rough on the street. When that power hits, bro, she lights. <laughs> she lights. That's a direct quote from Chris Emke. Yeah. That okay. Word for word is an exact quote from Did, Chris Emke. You should hear Rendon talk about his setup right now. I know. Same thing. Yeah. What are you going to do for the four seconds while you're getting your ass kicked trying to spool your stuff up? Look at the coal behind you. They only do thirty rolls. They don't. Do, they don't do any real racing. Right. Oh, you left too quick. You left on me. Yeah. I was supposed to get the jump. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I, I got to run the how horn. You're going to sound when you're trying to explain that you can't get your truck to go for four or five seconds. <laughs> it's embarrassing. Chris has. As I'm not. I'm not getting into this. You're out. Just no, driving around out. in third gear. <laughs> Dude, always third gear. <laughs> Forty mile an hour. Got over, that third gear tune. Overdrive off. Got to be ready for it, man. Just gotta get ready to hit that button. Three K stall. Yeah. Awesome. That's always the nitrous option. There is. I mean, but. You know, I'm just a, for just to spool it up. I've never met anybody who made nit- or used nitrous to make power unless it was like in a real competition. Hey, everybody man. else, man, I just got a little nitrous just to spool it up. Yeah. That's, that's, that's everyone with nitrous. Run. That's everyone with nitrous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was on a budget, man. I bought this S475 online, but I bought this thousand dollar nitrous kit to get it to come to life. Like, <laughs> oh god. No, listen. Hey, guys, we we do. We we see a lot of different setups, and we see some stuff that we laugh about it being off the wall. But it happens. You, you know, some of these guys they fall into it. Some of these guys they go out, and that's what they're looking for. And hey, that's fine. You know right? what? There are some guys that don't really care about drivability. There are some yeah. guys. The younger crowd. What I see most commonly is. The guys that they have their first truck, they're influenced by buddies or social media, whatever that is, and they decide that that's what they want, and maybe they like it, or maybe they don't. And then their second truck, they listen to, you know, Nick's thirty-seven year old ass. And, <laughs> you know, they want more drivability, or they're they're looking, or they understand what those references are. Well, Nick, you your first diesel, you drove around on a big single, and and my imagination is is like everybody else who drove around with their first truck with a big single. It was better than stock. Go ahead, Paul. Ask me what my first turbo was that I put on my 9812 valve. How about, let's just, let's, let's, what was it. on your LB7? What no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. What was on the 9812 valve? HX40. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get off Craigslist. I bought it off. Uh, it was prior to TDR. Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. Turbo diesel register. There you go. And then uh, first turbo on my LB7, S480 stock fuel. For 80 stock. So, yeah, I mean, I know what it's like, man. I've been Toe's there. great. Spools up fine. And now, like someone like Drive Paul and I, day. who have been employed by you for five, six, seven years now, we would never, ever, ever picture you driving your personal truck with that type of turbo on there. We been, just never would see it. I've been sending letters to his house to his wife to ask for pictures of him in the truck. Like, oh <laughs> my God. I got some good videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get a VHS converter. Um, <laughs> Got to learn the hard way sometimes, but I'm, I'm here to tell you guys so you don't have to learn the hard way. But, but don't listen, put an S480 on your truck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was. When you put it on, it was better than stock, right? Oh, so, yeah. like, these guys, they end up in this situation. It's, we've talked about this with tuning. Hey, if it's the first tuner you ever ran, I don't care what it is, it's, it's better than stock. So you think it's great. Rationalized, right? Get a, get a chance to, to compare a few and look at a few different options, try out a few different things. Um, and I think that does give people a lot better idea of what, what to go invest their money in. Absolutely. Yeah, get some perspective. Awesome. Well, guys, for today, this has been Paul Wilson. Chris Hemke. Nick Pregnant. Thank you so much for listening. As a driver with a twin kit is to hang out there in fifth gear or fourth gear. Oh, yeah. And really beat the shit out of the motor. <laughs>